Welcome back to The Bag Markers, the F1 podcast for new fans. By new fans, my name is Mike Hurley and I'm joined by Austin Evans. Hi, Austin. Hello, hello, my friend. What lovely weather we have for a very calm, quiet, and uneventful race. In, oh, oh, sorry. Well, I, was, I was thinking uh, last week. Uh, hello, welcome to the Singapore <laughs> Grand Prix, where we're four hours into the morning, it feels like. <laughs> it's a long one, man. This is, what was I, it, an hour rain delay? Right? We had like an hour yes. delay, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So basically, this was one of those rare races that did not actually run the full distance. So I don't actually know how many laps we did at the end, but it was the full two-hour race distance mm. due to, yeah, a hour and five-minute rain delay to even start everything. Um, and then beyond that, then it was, I don't even know how many safety cars. I think two safety cars and like two or three I personal safety cars. There were, yeah, two. I think it might have been like four virtual safety cars something like that like i'm not joking like there was it was a lot like i actually wrote down uh all of the various accidents today so we can get we can get to those a little later on uh but i'm glad you were keeping up with that i was like uh, oh another one oh cool cool bathroom break no another one all right well time to grab something to drink it was <laughs> it was non-stop yep it was a big one but i will say for me i think one of my favorite races of the season it was, was it really? very dramatic. I didn't know what was going to happen at any point, and then I enjoyed it for that, honestly. So it was one of those things for me where the beginning was cool, but then it felt like there was a solid half of the race where it, things felt very stationary. I mean, you think about the, the actual finishing order, which I'm sure we'll get to in just a second. It was uh, pretty much static, especially for the top three for the entire race, right? I mean, from the first corner when Checo took the lead, there was never any real jeopardy for him. Uh, even when we went through the pit stops and for all the mm -hmm. squirreling around and slipping and sliding. So there was a point in the race where I was like, uh-oh, is this going to be boring and gonna kind of go straight through? But then inevitably, everyone who has a world championship to their name basically decided to go hit the wall, which was very exciting. Well, almost everyone. Yeah, and a bunch of people who didn't. We don't have yes. world championships in a name. Also decided they would hit the walls. Uh, <laughs> but Austin, there's a ton of stuff that's been going on in the last couple of weeks that I thought yes. might be worth just addressing real quick. Uh, first of all, we had the kind of uh, the calendar has been confirmed. So there's a 24 race calendar next year. I mean, this is not a surprise. Uh, we knew this was the case, right? Kind of, but they've they've now confirmed it, and they've confirmed like Spa is still on the calendar, Monaco still on yes. the calendar, because these was these were races that they weren't sure if we're going to be re-signed, and they were, so they're coming back to the calendar. There's been a bunch of stuff moving around, um, so Spa is now before the break rather than after the break, so that's a new interesting one. So there's some some different stuff going on there that we haven't had before, um, and just you know we have now obviously have the Las Vegas race coming in. I think China's back. Um, in the in the calendar as well, which is I haven't seen the Chinese Grand Prix yet, so uh, I guess that's I hate I hate the Chinese Grand Prix when it comes to actually racing okay. in uh, F one because it is so like that opening like corner that just keeps turning and turning and turning and turning and turning. I can never get that right. I'm sure you know the these highly experienced Formula One drivers will have no problem with the track, but man, for me, I just like every time I'm doing that in F one, just like. Yeah, that, that's like like the Singapore Grand Prix. I have not seen the Chinese Grand Prix yet. I've not I've not been able to actually see anyone drive through it. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, and yeah, so but by and large, the tracks are mostly expected, to, but with some sw swap around basically. Mm -hmm. uh, there are going to be six sprint races next year. Four this year, that's a lot. Six next year. 
Um, there has been a lot of people like talking about and complaining about the how much of the year will be given to F1. You know, like that there's 24 yeah. weekends now, six of them more full weekends. Uh, I understand all of the issues that people have with that, but uh, for me as a fan, I like more races, but we'll yeah. see how I feel once they get to 35 race calendars <laughs> uh, for, in, in, in the next couple of years. Well, the only thing that I think is a little bit odd with this calendar, because you're, you're completely right. We knew that they were trying to push for more races. There are clearly way more circuits and countries who want to be on the grid than they can you know, sort of feasibly mm-hmm. do. One of the weird things to me, though, is the timing, right? So you've got Bahrain, then a two-week break, then Saudi Arabia, two-week break, Australia, two-week break, China, two-week break. Uh, Baku, like it's a very kind of strong out kind of thing, and especially if you look at the travel schedules of everyone just kind of flying back and forth, and back and forth all over the place. It's going to be interesting to see how the teams cope because it's clearly no one likes doing triple headers, but also having so much of the early part of the season being spread across so many different parts of yep. the world, yep. back and forth all over the place. That's going to be an interesting sort of challenge for the teams to keep up with. But you're right. Look, I'm excited for more races. I will admit that I do sometimes when we get two, three, four, five, six races in like two months or whatever, you feel a little bit of that fatigue. And we're just sitting at home watching them, right? You can imagine how the teams, the drivers, the commentators, everyone who's involved with the traveling circus, uh, that's going to be a lot of travel. It's going to be a very, very difficult thing. But hey, you know what? They're going to keep cranking out more races until something breaks. So We'll see, right? Like That's kind of the result of it is we'll see. It finally happened, Nicholas Satifi. Is out at Williams. Uh, the Gotifi era mm-hmm. is sadly, uh, yeah. And in fact, I was actually seeing for the race, he's actually picked up a five grid uh, place grid penalty for Japan next week, which is going to be unfortunate to start at 25th. But uh, because he caused the collision with Joe, right? I think I think that's yeah, what he got the, the he penalty did. for. Yeah, he did. He yeah. did. He kind of so, sandwiched him into the wall. I'd forgotten about that. There were so many collisions ago at this point. <laughs> Uh, I'd forgotten about that. Uh, yeah. So uh, Latifi is out. Williams. There is yet to be, as of recording, a replacement. Uh, we'll get to that in a little bit. I think. Just run through the other ones. Zhou uh, Guanyu is staying on for another year at Alpha Ta- uh, Alpha Romeo. Uh, I guess the Audi. At some point, uh, <laughs> Yuki Tsunoda is staying on at Alpha Tauri for another year. This now leaves only three seats available. There is one at Alpine, one at Haas, and one at Williams. It's all but expected to be confirmed that uh, Gasly goes to Alpine. That is still the strong expectation with now, I think, they're lining up Piastri to go in mm. to uh, Alpha Tauri alongside Sonoda. Uh, there was, Crofty was saying today that the Haas seat is apparently down to uh, Schumacher or uh, Hockenberg, which... Which that is was not what I was expecting. <laughs> yeah, I, I like. Where did I mean, that name come from? It's <laughs> okay. Because Nico's been out for is it two or three years now? It's been a while. I know he's certainly mm-hmm. subbed in a number of times, but uh, I I know he was he's been on the list for quite a while. But it's really interesting to see Haas kind of their potentially their entire lineup next year will be drivers who had year or multiple years out and who've kind of come back into the sport which is kind of an interesting sort of look it's gone very well for them with magnuson so it has well relatively well i think would be the way i would describe it you know i think he's had a decent season all things considered no yeah yeah so i think 
there's still a lot up in the air. DeVries does not have his seat locked in. And to be fair, Piastri does not either. I think there's still enough sort of uncertainty on exactly where everyone lands that we may not know until quite a while into the uh, into the series. Magnussen's picked it's, up 22 points to make Schumacher's 12. Yeah, that, that checks out. I, I do kind of have the feeling, especially in the early part of the season, that the Haas was capable of more than either of the drivers really delivering. Uh, but clearly at this point, they've been way outdeveloped. Like I, I, I think even, was it today that uh, Aston Martin passed? Yeah, Aston Martin just after this race mm-hmm. passed Haas and now AlphaTauri are level on points. So Haas are probably going from, they could have been sixth or seventh in the constructors, and now they're probably going to end up in ninth, which is uh, partially down to the car, but also I don't think either of the drivers have done a tremendous job of really showing off what it could have done. Uh, I messed up. I said, uh, thanks to Mike in the chat, uh, it's Nick DeVries, not Piastri, who's being lined up with Alpine, because obviously Piastri is locked in at McLaren. Yes, yes. It's been such a silly season. But you know what's nice, though? I feel like where the grid seems to be sort of stabilizing is in a pretty good spot. I think that while, yeah, it'd be nice to see five new rookies on the the grid, blah, blah, blah. But like, look, that was never really going to be all that sort of likely to happen. And especially if we do get someone like Hulkenberg to come back in, I think that would be fun to see. Although there's definitely a part of me which would be a little sad to see Schumacher go. But I think he's done fine. I don't think he's really planted his flag in the ground that he fully deserves this seat. I think that's one of those things where it's a little bit marginal. And if he does sort of shuffle his way out of the sport, mm-hmm. it wouldn't be the most unfair thing I've ever seen. No, I mean, you're saying about you know the grid. Really, the person who loses is Daniel Ricciardo. In the past yeah. couple of weeks, he's been talking about like, taking a year out like he's very much talking now in a way that would seem to suggest that at best he will be a reserve driver next year yeah. which which is sad but yeah look he has gotten uh very well compensated i'm sure yeah. for not driving at mclaren yeah. next year yeah. i think even though he did terrific today, right? I mean, I think he ended up, what was it, sixth today? Or no, fifth, fifth. today, right? But Best result. Uh, let's be real. There was an enormous amount of luck involved in that. I think before he got lucky with those pit stops, he was a lot I was, uh, outside the points, I think. Um, I think Danny Rick's stock in Formula One, while he still has a huge fan base, I think there's still a lot of commercial appeal to having him in your team. I think his stock has fallen a lot as a driver. And if his options are go to something like Hasser Williams, trundle around in the back of the of the grid for a year or two and then call it a day, or take a year off, reset himself, be a reserve driver, whatever the case is, and then try to come back stronger then with everyone kind of forgetting a little bit about how bad the last couple of years have been and kind of the, the rose-tinted glasses of some of his peaks, especially if he can kind of, you know, whether he's in the simulator or mm-hmm. you know, doing testing or whatever, really kind of show. I think that's the right move for him. I, I, something has been clearly going wrong with him for the last you know couple of years. So I think him to take a mental reset and try again or decide to move on, I think is the right call. Yep. Also... Seems like at this point the decision's pretty much been made because I don't think he's in any kind of active consideration for any race. It doesn't look like it. It's not being lined up with anything. Like none of the rumors are suggest. Like at the point where Haas are suggesting Hulkenberg, that means Daniel Ricciardo's got no chance, right? Like no chance. Yeah. Yeah. Because there are still people out there um, 
like Colton Herter and people like that who, mm-hmm. put, I mean, and he might be who we see going at Williams. Uh, well, I do think they nixed the idea of him for this year, right? I think he officially doesn't have this enough points for the super license. Oh, really? I, I believe I believe the FIA have ruled uh, Herta out entirely, at least for next Wait, year. Wait, is he? Um, uh, am I getting him wrong? Who's the guy in F2 in the Williams? Oh, that would be uh, Sargent. Sargent actually still has That's a shot. It. So I believe... Logan Sargent. That's it. Thank you. Yep. <sighs> So I'm going to try to remember this off the top of my head. I think he's a couple points shy of uh, qualifying for a super license. But I don't think I think for the last uh, F2 race, he only needs like a top six finish to, right. to get enough points for a super license, which is why there was a small potential that uh, they may not decide on, you know, if Williams is going to pick him up uh, until the end of the year. Because I believe the they last F2 sure. race is in... Yeah, yeah, I, feel, I believe it's the end of the. I think it's Abu Dhabi or something is the right. last. So he is likely, but not guaranteed, to actually have enough points for a super license. The chat can feel free to correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that's the deal with Sargent. It's pretty likely, but just not confirmed yet. And he's driving for them uh, in in place of one of their drivers uh, f- at, uh, for the free practice in Cote. Yes. He counts as one of the young drivers, which yeah. is one of the mandated things that all the teams have to, I believe, have two young drivers who, I think they, they classify young drivers as just uh, a driver who has like one or two Grand Prix or less experience. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, so he's certainly going to get a little bit more seat time. I'm sure that'll help evaluate. But also, if a better person comes around, I'm sure Williams will try to lock in if DeVries is available or, or whatnot. So we'll see how it goes. But the other thing that I think is really interesting is the cost cap. Yeah. So we're recording this, of course, immediately after the uh-huh. Singaporean Grand Prix. There's been an enormous amount of um, mudslinging, I think would be a good way to Lots phrase it, in the paddock. bubbling rumors, for sure, which <laughs> seem to be getting more and more toxic as the days go on, right? It's like, yeah. oh, I think a couple of teams might be over the cost cap. One of them went a little bit over. One of them went 10% over. <laughs> like, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. And it's not a blue cow or anything. Mm-hmm. It's certainly an F1 team who ser- sells energy drinks. <laughs> Let's get yeah, a bit no, of people are Starting in the last last year's season, there was a maximum budget set for for like all, that all teams. It's the same budget for all teams. I, I don't remember the exact number off the top of my head. Do you know what it is? Austin? $145 million, Right. So $145 million US- you're allowed to spend on, on a, in a year for your team. And that includes everything. The salaries, everything is all included. Well, in except the driver's yes. salary, right? Which makes sense, right? I think if you yeah. included driver's salaries, some of the teams <laughs> would have no money for anything, right? So, like, I think that was the right call. It's like it's basically the development of the car, right? Like that's what your budget is, right? So that includes the salaries of engineers and all that kind of stuff. This started last year. This is the second year of that, and. Because previously, you could spend as much as you wanted, and that gave an unfair advantage to the teams that performed best because they would get the most prize money, they would get the most sponsorship money, and they could be the best forever because they could just keep spending an infinite amount of potential money on their cars, right? And the more money they spent, the the better they were, etc. So this was part one of leveling the playing field before the new cars came in this year to do it even further. So it's to kind of mix up the grid a little bit more. Well, something I didn't know is that at the end of the year, the teams hand over their kind of budget reconciliation, and then it is reviewed by the FIA. Now, for some reason, it takes this long for that budget to be reviewed. 
And so now, it's like right now, this week, teams that passed it were being given their certification for having passed last year's budget. And the rumor going around the paddock, which these kinds of rumors, when they're this kind, they, this there is definitely... A, a belief to them right like but and you could tell these aren't just like look these are like team and plus team bosses have been complaining about it as well in whatever yeah. outlet will listen uh over the last weekend that aston martin and red bull were not given their certifications yet yeah there's then the big there's the beginning right of like talking about it talking about it talking about it yeah they went over they went over then some team bosses like Ferrari and Mercedes are complaining. Then Horner's like, I'm going to sue you if you keep talking about this. <laughs> and like they're going backwards and forwards. And then today before the race, more rumors started to come out to say that Red Bull was actually $10 million Ooh. over. Now, who knows, right? But this is a problem yeah. that needs to be dealt with properly because this is like we've been talking a lot about penalties, right? If the penalty for this is a fine, say, well, then you've just unlocked the ability for all the rich teams to just do whatever they want, right? Exactly. So I, uh, yeah. it's tough, right? So I think the rumor, I mean, I would just an open secret right now is that yeah, Aston Martin uh, supposedly spent slightly over the cost cap, mm-hmm. um, but the if if it really is 10 million that's a significant overspend by red bull now the way that i understand the regulations they're ridiculously broad and that the fia can do whatever they want everything from a fine uh disqualifying you from the drivers the constructors uh, they, they it seems like they can kind of set the example that they want to really kind of discourage this kind and of I behavior and i think that there is some benefit to that right let's imagine you've got three races left and you've had such a bad crash that you have to repair the car and it's going to cut you're going to go over the budget yes. by like half a million a million but otherwise there's no race right i can yep. imagine that being like a all right, we're going to fine you two times the amount. So like you're going to lose the benefit for it next year, but otherwise there's no way of you continuing, right? But my kind of feeling on that is, well, why can't this be an ongoing conversation? Like why, why does it take the best part of three quarters of a season the next year to come up with a decision at the previous year? Because... It, yeah. As you're saying, as you're kind of alluding to, a lot of people are suggesting, oh, they could be disqualified for last year from the whatever, like Max can have his title taken away or they'll lose their championship standing or whatever. And if something like that was to happen, it's it's pointless. It's meaningless now. Well, I mean, think about how long it takes for an organization with hundreds, if not you know, over a thousand employees to run those numbers, right? Think about how long it takes from a company to, you know, complete the year to like submit the tax returns or whatever the case is. And especially when you look at some of the bigger organizations, you know, half the teams on the grid aren't just race teams, you know, they also are, you know, manufacturers or energy drink companies, Mm -hmm. whatever the case is. And while clearly there are, you know, companies like, you know, it's Red Bull Racing, not Red Bull, you know, Inc. or whatever they call themselves. But like, there's clearly a lot of gray areas on exactly what these things are. Oh, I'm here at the race because I'm with Red Bull, not Red Bull Racing, with Red Bull. My my salary doesn't count or my travel doesn't count. Like, you can imagine how incredibly complicated these things are. Mm -hmm. And especially because this is the first time that the FAA have really tried to do this. 
I can imagine it's going to take them a while, a lot of questions, a yeah. lot of back and forth. Yeah. And, you know, they're going to set the precedent for the next, you know, decade plus of the cost cap, which I'm sure is going to be in place. They're not going to get rid of it anytime soon. So it doesn't surprise me that much that it's taking them a long time Naive to that. kind of confirm this stuff. Yeah, exactly. But I, I think it's kind of questionable. I mean, I get it that, yes, they could have overspent, but that's a huge amount to overspend by. Uh, I also do think it's slightly funny that the other team was Aston, not Mercedes or the other teams. Like, oh, Aston overspent. Hmm. Okay. But you know what? Whatever. I, I get it. They're building a mill yeah. factory and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. So I, I would like to think that by next week, by the Japanese Grand Prix, we'll have some more details on this because... Mm-hmm. It is a lot of rumors. We do not have the sort of full story. For all we know, uh, the Red Bull certification will come tomorrow, and they just had to like, oh, did you? Re- oh, you know, we actually gave Max some extra money. Can we just knock that off? Okay, cool, done. Like, I, I don't know what the actual answer is, but I do think it's one of those things where we should maybe wait for the actual report to come out and see. No, exactly but it's more fun happens. to talk about it beforehand. <laughs> you know. You got a clickbait. You got a clickbait on why Max I, is going to be disqualified from F1 forever. I mean, that, that, exactly. that checks out to me. I agree with what you're saying about the complication of it. But what I feel like is if in year one we've already had, if it is true and this is the level that it's going yeah. to, it suggests yeah. that going forward they need to work out some form of reporting so they can get on top of this faster. Because yeah. if this ended up happening every year, it kind of makes the championship meaningless. It's strange. It's definitely strange. But I guess I'm not surprised that there are some sort of uh, growing pains. Honestly, yeah, if, it, if it is only Aston Martin and Red Bull, that is a surprise. Right, genuinely, that is yeah. a surprise. If like in the first year that they did it, only two teams went over. It's like, wow. <laughs> you know, some good yeah. accountants over there in Formula One. Right, so that's Mike, kind that of bringing us lot. up to, to where we are right now. Uh, this was very wet this entire weekend. Wet qualifying, yes. wet race. We already mentioned it. We had an hour delay. Uh, George Russell, who performed poorly in qualifying, started from the pit lane. Um, Mm -hmm. Lewis had his first top three qualification of the season so far. Uh, And Max ran out of fuel and got very upset. Yeah. Look, Max was... I mean, so qualifying was uh, one of those cases where... It was very wet at the beginning. Well, I would say it was moderately wet at the beginning of qualifying. And it wasn't really until the end of Q3 that slicks were much yep. of an option. And even then, they were a little marginal. It was not yep. a super obvious. Like At one point, Yuki, who was one of the only drivers who were still out there on uh, enters, was still, like you know top of the timing, right? So it, once everyone fired up their slicks, it kind of came back around. But it's one of those things where... Singapore is certainly a very rainy part of the world, so I think all the teams are probably needing to have their sort of pencils sharpened and their sort of calculators ready to try to deal with whatever strategy came their way. But also, it's an incredibly tricky track to drive in the dry, much less in the wet. And so, I'll be honest, I think qualifying was surprisingly smooth, even though obviously it was very wet, because, man... Pushing a Formula One car to the limit at such a tricky track that in such damp conditions, it's is really impressive. Some to of see. those corners but, are absurd, right? Like there's the, the one that goes underneath that bridge, yeah, right? and it can't. It's like a left and a straight into a right. Like yeah. again, I obviously have no skill, but when I play the game, like sometimes <laughs> I don't, I can't even get the car around the corner. Like it's like, how did it get it around yeah. some of those corners? It really, especially the size of these cars now. I was really intrigued to see how it was going to go today. And it was about as treacherous as I expected the race to be. Especially Uh, when you consider that, like, the conditions are constantly changing, you know? Like, I think it was Checo, like, after the race, he was talking about how, like, oh, you know, like, I'm following the dry line. The next lap, the dry line 
shifted. It's just like yep. every lap you go around, it's like a different experience. And that's between part of your it tires being a night and- race, right? The, the, when it's wet, it can't dry up and all that kind of stuff. Like, but yep. it looks fantastic. Here's the thing I found out about the night racing. I wanted to mention this before I forgot. I saw this on McLaren's Instagram. You know, like it's obviously like a super weird time, right? Like this is a mm. the, the race is running until midnight local time, basically in Singapore, like close enough to. The teams work on European time when they're in Singapore. Oh, because this weird. is this is the only race that operates like this, where uh-huh. it's it far away, right? Like it's far away from Europe, but the race starts on european time the race starts at like one o'clock in the afternoon here which is basically european ish time but the singapore grand prix the teams all work on european time so like there was mclaren saying they all stay in the hilton hotel for that weekend hilton have 24 hour um, room service and that kind of stuff so the teams they are waking up at what would be like I don't know, like seven, eight o'clock at night or whatever, but that's actually when they're beginning their day because it's then European time. Because if you think about it, if those drivers have been up since seven o'clock this morning and they're still racing till midnight, there's no way that would work. So they they actually shift yeah. because this race is for whatever reason time shifted like that. Uh, they also everybody time shifts their day that way as well. That's incredibly interesting, especially because we're going to Japan next week, mm-hmm. which uh, I believe is uh, that's a significantly earlier race because yeah. that's a daytime race. Yes, yeah, a six a.m. So start for me. So it's yeah, yeah, I think like it's <laughs> super super early. I think it's, it's gonna be one a.m. for me. Yeah, looking forward to that. <laughs> one a.m. for you, right? Yeah, yeah, East Coast All time. The, yeah. yeah. Because you're going to be on East Coast, yeah. it wouldn't normally. Normally, that would be actually a Saturday night race for you. Yes, right? exactly. Yeah. Which I think the Vegas race is going to be next year a Saturday, Saturday night, night race, race yep. local. Yeah. Yep. So and that's super interesting because they want it to. Well, I mean, it will look better, but also then it it's not too many races outside of the weird time for everybody else. So like they're just doing it that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So. All right, should we come in for a pit? This has already been you know what? exhausting. I feel, I feel like, like we're at Singapore Grand Prix. Right? I'm exhausted right now. You know now. what? The enters are not looking too great. Okay. I think we need to box for slicks. I, I feel like we need to go with softs. So are, are you right. ready? I'm ready. Okay. Three, two, one. This episode of The Backmarkers is brought to you by The Racing Line. Motorsport calendars are messy. Find out what series is racing, what weekend, and when races begin. It's becoming more and more challenging than it should be to get this information. The Racing Line collects the calendars of over 40 major motorsport series and combines them into one easy-to-use app. Covering series including F1, IndyCar, the World Endurance Championships, ISMA, the entire GT World Challenge catalog series, plus MotoGP and World Superbikes for those two-wheel fans. You get all of this information inside of The Racing Line. The app provides day and weekly views so you can get an easy overview of what's happening on each day or plan out your motorsport viewing weeks and weeks ahead. Plus you can get customized notifications that you can set whenever you want before each event. A minute before, an hour before, a day before, five days before, whatever works for you, you can set up in the racing line and the app is incredibly customizable so you can select the series that you want to see and hide the ones you don't want to see so for me very easy go in i just want to see f1 and i want a 10 minute notification before i want it i want it for qualifying and i want it for the race and i can do all of that inside of the racing line so i never miss anything so especially good for me with qualifying like i always feel like i'm really aware of when the races are going to be so i 
but I sometimes forget what qualifying is going to be, especially when we have sprint weekends. The racing line supports iPhone, iPad, watchOS, and Android, and the app is built by a single indie developer who began iOS development after listening to shows on Relay FM and the Accidental Tech Podcast as well. So super cool. And so as a listener, it makes a fantastic and very useful app. So go to theracingline.app. That's theracingline.app to find out more. Thanks to The Racing Line for their support of this show and Relay FM. Time, okay. 148.38. That was the slowest yet for the racing line. What was you know it, 148.38, did you say? 0.38. Yeah, Mike, I had it's to okay. get a, you got a little too. You know what? You just got a little enthusiastic about qualifying. Yeah. Uh, the only thing I need, uh, really would wish uh, for the racing line would be also to include uh, alarm notifications because uh, <laughs> most of these times are like 3 or 4 or 5 a.m. Uh, in the morning for me. So that would be even better. That could, pops uh, on right now, I use it to remind myself to <laughs> set my alarm. Oh, for the that's next quite morning. cool, though, right? Because you could do it <laughs> yeah, like 12 yeah, yeah. hours before. It's like, ah, no, I know. Exactly. I can get up in the I'm like, oh, cool. 4 a.m. tomorrow morning. Love it. There you go. <laughs> All right. So, would you like to hear uh, my breakdown of the moments of the race, which mostly include the accidents of the race? I would love a thorough catalog of every time someone went to the wall, because it was uh, most of the time. All right. So, there were three incidents all of a sudden, it seemed, on lap eight, which was very funny, uh, which brought out a safety car. This was... We didn't see any of them happen live, so they kind of when looking at each of these, looked like they all happened independently of each other for a minute. Yeah. Which was, Zhou Guan Yu was in the wall, Latifi had a puncture, and something happened to George. We didn't really know what it was right at the time. But it turned out that Latifi sandwiched Zhou Guan Yu, uh, so Zhou Guan Yu went out. Latifi had a puncture. That ended up taking him out of the race because he also had some damage once he limped into the pits. And George tried to move on Bottas, was way too over-eager, and went into the runoff. It was able to so, do a little 180 and come back onto the track. A very calm and boring lap with nothing exciting at all. Yep. Got it. Lap eight was a snooze fest. Uh, Fernando Alonso performed heroic defense of Max Verstappen for many, many laps until incredibly unfortunately his engine failed. That was yep. one of my least favorite moments of the race because I was loving yeah. that. I was loving that. I was so sad when that happened. Um George Russell, this is and that, these are just some of my moments now, so I'm throwing this in there. Uh, George Russell yeah. had terrible luck on his tire change, and it was very, it was just like, I, I think it was Crofty who said it's like when you're going on vacation and your dad like won't get out of the traffic that he's in. He was like he was committed to that decision, but that's yep. kind of how it went for George. George had a not great race. Uh, Albon went out. Um, he smashed into the wall, lost yep. his nose cone. Uh, mm-hmm. No, he lost his front wing, and then when they replaced it, like, no, this is bad, you're out. Uh, Esteban Ocon's engine failed in, like, my favorite way that somebody can go out is when that plume of white smoke just erupts Oof. out the back of their car. I love how that looks. It's just always oh. very funny to me. I can't explain it. Uh, Lewis Hamilton smashed into the barrier uh, when trying to overtake Carlos Sainz. Uh, he then squeezed in front of Max Verstappen. Uh, Yuki hit the barrier. Yuki Tsunoda, he went yeah. out. Hamilton survived. Yuki Tsunoda went out. Um, bah, 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 bah. And George Russell had a puncture. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah, that's it. I've got a note here, which oh, I don't... Went re- Max went out too. He went off on the um, the road and had safety to car. That's a U-turn. I, I wrote a note that I couldn't remember what it meant, which was Max ruins the safety car restart. Yes. That was it. Yes. He got way too excited and lost his places <laughs> on the safety car restart and ended up pitting again. 
and yeah, and then there is still something that is yet to be resolved, but shouldn't be an issue, which is Sergio mm. Perez uh, has some kind of potential infringement with the safety car, but he ended up pulling seven seconds ahead, so probably won't mm. be an issue for him. Probably, we'll find out. What I this, what very much hope think. not. Yeah, yeah. No, it was it was an interesting race, and especially I think there were a few phases where it was really exciting. I think sort of the last. Uh, I don't know, maybe from 30 minutes to like 15 minutes uh, to go, it was just Checo and Charles at the at the front of the pack. Just Checo just driving as hard as he could. At one point, he was having some engine issues with the drivability. Yep. I know uh, they were talking to, to Christian Horner about it, and they were saying something about like the humidity, and it didn't seem like it was a huge issue, which drivability, I think, can mean a lot of different things as a driver. I mean, it could just be a thing where your, your power is not coming on yep. as linearly as you want. Something's not feeling quite right when it comes to, you know, the engine braking sometimes it can even be something to uh, down to like the way that the actual electrical uh, energy is being harvested and sort of deployed obviously these formula one cars are incredibly complicated but that did not cause a huge issue but it was really really fun to watch just checo driving as hard as he could they're leaving carlos behind like they left carlos behind three different times by like Eight seconds, ten seconds, fifteen seconds, and then you know, safety car would bunch the pack up, and then the two of them would just be gone. Like it was a terrific race for Checo. I think Charles put in a great effort. I don't really think there's much more that he could have done. I think generally speaking, he was on it. It's just a tough track to yep. overtake, especially when there's one dry line. And if you go offline to try to pass, it's wet, you're on slicks, uh, all that kind of thing. Uh something Unless else will happen. Unless you're Max Verstappen, you're five seconds faster than everyone around you. He doesn't you. drive like anyone else. Like, and you can say it's good, bad. I think it it oscillates between good and bad. Like for for my taste, no one drives like him. It's unbelievable. No like it's unbelievable to to watch some of yep. the moves that he performs. Like, I don't even think it's a bravery thing. I think he is just incredibly aware of what he's able to do, and yeah. then also yeah. is aggressive. And like that mixture. Is you know we are watching someone uh, in their absolute prime, like absolute prime. He is mammoth. I mean, we should say he did not win the Wind Championship with this weekend. I was very surprised no. about that when like coming into this weekend of like they were like, oh no, he could win this weekend. I was like, wow, I was not. It was. I know it was. It like, was so unlikely. It was yeah, in, but it was the first weekend, so now it starts yes. every weekend. There is a calculation about how Max can mm -hmm. win the championship, and I just wasn't ready for that. Like I didn't expect that because the last two seasons I've watched, it's not been this way. Like things have been a little bit yeah. clearer cut, and or it will go down to the end. It was just like it mm -hmm. was kind of surprised me. I know he was super far ahead, but I wasn't expecting that from this weekend with the right yeah. calculation, he can tie up the entire championship. So that was and it looks fairly. It's it was very difficult for him to win the championship this weekend. Uh, next weekend, though, I don't think uh, I don't know what the math is, but I think it's actually. He's got a pretty good shot of winning the championship in Japan. I think it if he wins the race, and I think it's only like if Charles comes in the second or something. Don't quote me on that, but uh, it's looking very, very promising for Max. Well, to there's wrap now up the there's only two points between Charles and Sergio now, so I think that this true. this weekend has really mixed that up quite a lot. Um, so yeah, I yeah. look forward to seeing what that math is going to look like as we move forward. Can I also say? There were, so uh, obviously it was a scruffy race for both Max and Lewis, who made significant mistakes. One of the things that really surprised me, so both Max and Yuki did the exact same problem, not too far after they had switched over to Slicks, where they went on on, I think it was turn seven, I'm not entirely sure, but they both went straight on into, into mm -hmm. the barrier. 
Uh, I don't know what kind of material that um, Mercedes are using to build their cars with, but Yuki was certainly going in faster. But he went oh, in meant, and just demolished the front you of the car. You said Max, you meant Lewis, right? Lewis and Yuki? Oh, sorry, sorry. Yeah. Lewis and Yuki. Yeah. Thank you very much. Yuki went into the wall and just obliterated the front of his car. Like, that was a hard hit. Matt, uh, Lewis was not going in as hard, but he still gave the wall. Like, he plowed into it. And the fact that he was able to reverse out and it was just his end plate that was a little bit damaged. Like, when I saw him go into the wall like that, I'm like, oh, that's it. There's no way. I was I was, uh, I was, was obviously devastated. But it was super funny, too, because we were watching Max at that moment and Lewis was in the yep. little box. And I saw it happen Whoop. like, oh, no. <laughs> you know, like I could just see the wall coming at him real fast. Um, yeah, yeah. I don't know. So, My expectation is it's like maybe Lewis was more aware he was about to do this than Yuki was and reacted faster and, and pulled yeah. the speed. Like maybe he wasn't going as fast. But yeah, it was the same incident. I mean, and it was clear at that point that Lewis was just getting really frustrated with Carlos Sainz. Can I just say, well, you mentioned Carlos Sainz. Carlos Sainz is my other performer of the race. I... I don't know what happened. Don't know what was going on with him. And he, Carlos Sainz being in, he had a great start and then fell apart and ruined the race for tons of people behind him, including Lewis, like, they, you know, they were, including Lando. There was, like, every single opportunity this race, Perez and, and Leclerc were able to build massive gaps. They would come together for safety car. They would build another 20-second gap. It's like, what is going on with him? It was this was like we've been talking about like he had a bad start, he was getting better. For me, he his podium this weekend, absolute complete luck. He mm. was incredibly lucky to have secured that. I don't really think that he did a ton in the way of like great defending. He was just at a speed which no one could really get by him and he ended up lucking out cuz like that gap that was it, yeah. These gaps happen all the time, but it was happening consistently for the yeah. entire race, and there didn't really seem to be any reason for it. I mean, the only thing I can think of is that he did have that very minor touch with Lewis at the beginning, but I don't. Th- I it didn't look like he was carrying any damage. No. The thing is, the I will say one thing, and I and I hate to do this because I know it's an incredibly difficult job. But the TV director this race, I think, was focused on a lot of, like, missed a lot of action. Okay, think about this, right? So if you've got our top five, how often do we ever see Carlos? Almost never. How often do we see Lando? A little bit. We never, I mean, Daniel came in fifth. I think he was on screen for like six seconds the entire race. They were obsessed with Max Verstappen this race. And look, I'm not saying there wasn't a good reason for it. Like, he was doing some really cool stuff. But, like, there there was way too much focus on Max. Yeah, even more than the race leaders. Like it was, it was. Yeah. A, I agree with you. It was a weird one. Like some of the stuff we were seeing was was very strange. Like for example, that race, that lap eight, right? There were three incidents. They caught none yep. of them live. Yep. Like anyway, like what was you know? Yeah, there was. It wasn't. Uh, I agree with you. Incredibly hard, right? You've got to try and be predicting what's going on, but. Um, yeah, it was good. And as Mike's saying in the chat, it's a good point. The fact that there was no DRS for a really long time in this race mm. definitely helped yeah. Carlos. That massively helped yeah. Carlos. Because if DRS would have been enabled sooner, there's no way he would have kept Lewis behind him. And it ended up being such a thing that Lewis got frustrated, which is he shouldn't have. That was his mistake. Uh, but yeah. he was behind science for so long that he ended up just getting frustrated once he put slicks on and just straight into the wall. And it was one of the things where 
I think it was a scruffy race for both Lewis and Max for different reasons. I think Max did a pretty okay job, but uh, he, I think, hit anti-stall at the beginning and got swallowed up by the pack. And then he had that pretty major, you know, sort of, I think he was, was he, I think he was diving on Lewis, wasn't it? When he went off and had to go flip around after the last restart. I don't think it was I Lewis. Think it was, was it not Lewis? I, I, I know he definitely so. was. He, he did. Yeah, he it took, was. Yeah, yeah. He took the big dive, and uh, it's one of those things where, you know, clearly a big mistake, although thankfully it was one that he, you know, was able to recover from, and actually he got good points. I mean, he was so just stupid fast, but I think with Lewis, it's like, I certainly think that Lewis is a very vocal driver, and I think that the TV directors love to bring up any time he's disagreeing with the team mm-hmm. or anything like that. Like, mm-hmm. they love to play Lewis radio, mm-hmm. but uh, there's a lot of points where, like, Lewis was, like, kind of disagreeing with the team on, like, the tires to start the race on, which it seemed like it was between used or new enters, which, I mean, cool, whatever, not that big of a difference, but there's a lot of, like, Lewis complaining, and then also a lot of, like, I mean, obviously Lewis completely bent it into the wall at that one point. It was just... It was a scruffy race, definitely. Yeah. Uh, which, I mean, you know what? It's the kind of track where you're going to have these kind of things. But a little, a little rough. A little rough. Because, I mean, what? Lewis ended up in ninth place. Mm-hmm. And I think that was a pretty well-deserved ninth place. Because I don't think he, I mean, I honestly, think I would say that, that was a hard-fought ninth place. Considering he put it into the war, I think, to still finish in the points. I, I think was pretty, was a pretty great result for him, to be honest. Like, yeah. after a mistake like that, to still get points... I mean, as you say, like, you look at Yuki, put him out. Like, Lewis is very lucky to have stayed in the race um, and to, to secure anything. So, I, I reckon, yeah. you know, he's going to be frustrated, but you take, a, like, a look at this in like a week or so you'd be happy to have gotten anything yeah while we are talking about it i feel like we should give some props to a few of the the guys on the grid who did really well so obviously lando drove actually i think a really really solid race he didn't yep. quite have the pace to over uh, overhaul um uh, carlos but i think he did a terrific job danny rick got very lucky but he got very lucky and he held on i mean he still ended up uh, 32 seconds behind his teammate, and uh, I think they had, what, 20 laps or whatever? He fell way, way, way behind. But fifth place, very solid. And importantly, that was a huge thing for McLaren. So McLaren have actually overhauled Alpine and the constructors' points. It's 129 versus 125. Going to this race, I think they were 20-something points behind. Yep. It was a massive double gap. Double so, retirement for Alpine. So it was a, that's what happens. You literally could not have asked for a better race for McLaren, mm-hmm. right? Like they just got incredibly lucky. Also, I think it was a good race for Aston Martin, right? Sixth for oh, Lance. Oh, fantastic. Eighth for Seb. Look at Lance I mean, Stroll. It, Look at Lance Stroll. Come on, Lance. You know what he's I mean? good. Look, if you can say anything good about Lance Stroll, which I mean, he seems like a nice enough guy. He is a, I think he's got talent in the wet, right? Yeah. I mean, that's the, you know, he got pole in, was it 2020 in the wet? I think traditionally when you see Lance in the wet, he overperforms what his typical level is. So mm-hmm. props to them. It was nice to see, I think, you know, especially everyone always spends all this time staring at Max and Lewis a race where neither of them really performed particularly well. It's nice to see a lot of the other guys who actually were able to pick up the pieces and put in a solid, respectable sort of race, get some decent both points. Both McLarens, both Aston Martins in the top 10. I don't think we've had that this year. I think this might have been yeah. the first time we've had that this year. So well, I was happy to top see 10 that. And they're both in the that. top eight, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, that's that's really, really impressive. Mm-hmm. So it was, it was one of those races where I feel like you expect it 
to some degree when you come to you know a street circuit A and a wet street circuit you know combined, you know that there's going to be a race of attrition. You know that making it to the finish line is almost more important than necessarily being the fastest in a lot of cases. And mm-hmm. I think that you see the teams who were able to get good strategy and or get lucky, which I think McLaren was both to sort of pit so late and be able to save so much time under the safety car. But you know, when you're, when you're at a track like this, when it's in such tricky conditions, hanging out a little bit longer, hoping the safety car shows up is not a unreasonable idea. And clearly it really paid off for them. So I think it was a, it was a nuanced race. I think there was a lot of interesting things going on. And also I think that watching, you know, I mean, all night races, I think look cool, but especially with the spray and the excitement stuff, it was good. I had uh, I, I very much enjoyed it, even though I did wake up at four thirty and the race didn't start until like an hour and a half later. <laughs> um, back marker of the race. I think we're on the same page here. Yeah, it's got to be George. It's George. Right? I mean, I, well, it was what, one of two. If we're actually going for back marker, George has had bad luck, man. I, I, that's how way I look at it. He just had uh, something was going wrong with his car in qualifying. They replaced yeah. a ton of parts, which started him off in the pit lane, and then he kind of the car, he couldn't get it together, and he just had a ton of things happening to him, right? Like, yeah, you know, he he overshot a few things himself, which you know, mm-hmm. kind of every, so many people were guilty of that this weekend, yeah. right? Like all of the all of the top performers except for Perez and Leclerc, like were Carlos, but we forget about him, were guilty <laughs> of so, like some kind of move while attacking. Uh, yeah, he had a puncture. Right, and they, you know, he was the sacrificial lamb for slicks, and he lost Which was a minute on that. So early, so early. Like, I mean, yeah, I get that they had nothing to lose, but props to George for keeping it on the road. Just watching George pulling out of the pits out, and just all oh. over the place. Yeah. <sighs> so this was just a real, you know, this was just bad luck, I think, for him. Um, yeah, he got the fastest lap, stole it from Sergio, just so Sergio <laughs> doesn't job, get man. the point. Well, but Good he's job. still fighting also- <laughs> Sergio, right? He's still he's still in. You know, it's not yeah. close, but he's still in it. You know, like he still wants to go up against the guy. Uh, I think that yeah. was the right strategy for him personally, just to to go for that. But it was yeah, also it was, really you know, funny the the moment where. Uh, uh, I think it's uh, after everything uh, had happened, and it's Mick and you know George way in the back, and uh, George's like, "Man, Mick is defending like it's the race of his life," as yeah. they're like, you know, three minutes behind he the said, leaders. Yeah, crikey! Yeah, crikey. <laughs> it's, it's like, crikey. It's, like I love it. it's like, man, you did kind of wreck his race a little bit. Like, I don't know if you should be complaining that much. It's like I, one of those things where that didn't feel like a complaint to me. I think he I, was kind was, of <laughs> the crikey to me. I think he was kind yeah. of making a joke about it of like, yeah, like we're all the way. I think the way I but, read that is like we're all the way back here, and he's racing as if he's going for first place. You know, but, it, it, but here's the thing: anyway, yeah. Mick is racing for his life. He's yes. racing for a seat. I he's trying that. to do everything he yeah. can to show that he's worth it. And so for George to be like kind of like making fun of him for whatever, mm-hmm. I'm just like, man, that's just I get it. Like, yeah, you know, Mick's trying really hard. You're you're not gonna get the points. You don't really care, but. Yeah. That was just one of those moments from but, like this is I one get of those kind of funny, but we talk about this all the time. He's making a joke to his to his like race true. director. You know what I mean? True. Like you know, yeah. he's hanging back there, he hasn't really got much going on. He's like, is this thing he thought was funny, he's making a joke, right? Like that's you know what I mean? Like that's how I see that anyway. But what can I say? I love yeah. George. Uh, what was so your favorite thing from the race? Uh, my favorite part of this race was uh, the Vettel Hamilton Verstappen fight. Mm. It was really exciting. It ended in excitement, right? With with Hamilton kind of trying to dive and losing it, and uh, you know. But the I, I found the whole thing 
super exciting. I uh, I loved it. It was really great. I loved watching Seb uh, in the mix. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. I wish he could have held off Max because it would have just been super cool. Uh, but I'm happy to see Seb uh, getting some getting some points on the board before his uh, retirement comes yeah i mean we got to keep in mind we're counting down only a few more races with seb which is which is a sad thought but this is a race i think that he did really well right i think he i almost think for a race like this a quiet race is a great race right if you're not the center of attention if you're not causing problems if you're not you know if, if you just go put your laps in do your job i think that's almost the best thing you could hope for so yeah it was really exciting to me i think my favorite thing was just the fact that it was a dramatic race i mean we had i besides again like i said that first sort of third half of the race was a little bit quiet and we ultimately didn't have a bunch of passing for the lead but i mean we had you know charles and checo going you know wheel to wheel I mean, I mean, you know, quite wheel to wheel, but they, they were like right on it for what felt like a very long time. And then you had the constant drama of people slipping and sliding. And, you know, especially when they switched over to slicks, I, I get it, it was faster, but it was faster only if you were yep. incredibly on point with your driving. And so to me, I just, it was a dramatic, fun, cool race. The only thing we missed was maybe just a little bit of rain in the middle to spice up just a touch more, but I, I can't complain. I think it was a very exciting race. I had a great time with it. This is kind of everything I was hoping for from this exact track, which I hadn't seen. I was expecting it was going to be bloody, right? Yeah. And it was. Like, yeah. this is, I think, the, as many retirements as I've ever seen from a race. Yeah. To l- finish with 14 finished? of them. Yeah, 14. 14 finished, and uh, both Mick and George were like, what, one and two laps mm-hmm. down? Like, they were way, way, way off. And it's, you know, for me, in the best possible instance. way, no one got hurt. But lots of cars yeah. went out. It was like that's that's drama, you know. Like that's the kind yeah. of drama that I like to see. Uh, driver of the day is easy, right? Oh, Checo, Checo killed it. Like Absolutely. just killed it, deserved it. So happy for him. You know, he's had yeah. a rough couple of weeks, a rough couple of races. Uh, and one there was that question of like, where's what's Checo's form like right now? He's shown you. I mean, I think what this has shown is there are certain environments where Checo shines, tire management, yes. street circuits, right? Like, yeah. And you put those two things together and he is going to be better than literally anybody else out there and he's proven it again. So yeah, I, was I think it was him. a well-judged race. I think yep. he did a terrific job yep. start to finish. He got jump on uh, Charles right at the start. And I mean, yep. while it looked a little bit like there was a point where Charles might be able to take him, generally speaking, he looked to control the entire time. The only thing I can say to put a little asterisk on this is what happens with this penalty because yep. he put in a tremendous race. He deserves that win. I don't know exactly. I wasn't paying attention too much to whatever was going on with the start line and the safety car. There were a couple of the, things. Whatever the gap was. I think the thing that they were getting particularly upset about is he was driving up alongside the safety car and gesturing towards yeah. the, the, the safety car to like move. I, I Sure. Okay. If you want but to give him a penalty for that, okay. It I, is I one just, of those I, things I, of like, Sergio, why? Right? Like, you know the rules. You know that they're not yes. like every, but and every driver who's at the front does this. Like the safety car's going yeah. too slow. It's like yeah. I don't, it is a funny thing for me when I hear that. I understand that they're in these moments and they're like heat in it, but like you know it's going as fast as it can go. Like they're mm-hmm. not like out to get you. <laughs> you know, like yeah, there is yeah, this, yeah. Everyone loses it. Everyone yep. loses it. Max loses it. Lewis loses it. Shot. They all do because 
there is so much on the line in those moments. And as those cars are cooling down and, you know, they know as soon as it starts off, everyone's behind them. They're all ready. But the thing I think they have to remember is everyone's in the same boat as you. Exactly. Like, that's the weird part of like, yeah, your car's cooling down, but so's their car and the car behind. It's like a funny thing. They just get very upset. But there was something I don't recall seeing really before where the pole driver, the lead driver drives up alongside the safety car and starts ha- putting hand gestures towards yeah. the safety car driver. But, and I think that I mean, might the safety car is literally trying to bunch the field up, right? Yeah. Like there's a whole point. point to them slowing yeah. down, not only to make sure they go around, you know, I think they were repairing the barriers at the time or whatever. Mm-hmm. Hey, stupid. Look, uh, if he, if he gets a penalty, okay, fine. And he did pull out a gap. So the final uh, standing was he beat Charles by 7.5 seconds. So if he gets a five second penalty, he's okay. Uh, I don't think he deserves five second penalty, but whatever. But if he were, they can reprimand him, right? I think that's fair. Just like Checo, don't do that. I guess you know, like no, but you know, they can just come and say, don't do that. You know, I can, and maybe Ah. that's all it is. Of like, look, you know why this happens, you know, and everyone can calm down, and he can go, yeah, that you know, my mistake, and then just like let it go. That's kind of my hope of why they said they wanted to do it afterwards. Like they just want to bring him in and be like, come on, buddy, like don't act like that. I guess I just because we're recording right after the race. Maybe by the time that people are listening to the the show, this will be determined. But if Checo loses this win, I think that would be incredibly unfortunate. Oh, they're I, also I just, saying in the chat, by the way, we have our great people here in the paddock who, who watch us live at backmarkers.live. You can always catch us after the races. That the issue may have actually been not been the hand gestures that he was too far from the safety car a couple of points. Okay, I guess. I, I just, it, I'm it just saying. Like such yeah. a minor thing. Yeah, no, no, I, I get it. I just, it's a wet circuit. They're, you know, trying to manage a million things. I just, does anyone care? Does this, like, did this make any difference to the race? Did it, like, impact Charles? No. I just, I just don't think that this is that big of a deal. But look, if they give him a penalty, sure, whatever. If he loses the race, though, if he loses the, the win, uh, that's just going to be tough, especially because they're my deciding issue, it after the fact. That's it. My issue, if they give him a penalty, if they give him a time penalty, why did you need to wait? Like, yeah. why? Why did you need to wait? Well, like, what difference guess, is he going to make? I guess the argument is that they wanted to actually have him come see the stewards and explain himself, which is generally better than just slapping a penalty on because if that if those are the two options of course you'd rather have the argument but like yeah, okay. if it's so cut and dry if he was you know 11 car lengths behind or something then i don't know what i guess they're like hey was something wrong like why did you do this and he goes i don't know i didn't notice it then go okay cool you've got a penalty whereas he gets, says oh i was afraid that i was gonna slide off the track and i was gonna run into a bunch of people i had to slow down safely and it's like okay that might be a good excuse but uh, i don't know just Regardless, it just feels like a really petty, like, silly thing. But I guess we'll see, hopefully, very shortly and not, you know, at the end of the night when they finally figure it out. But as we are recording, uh, he is in with the stewards. So he's in right now. Oh, no. Well, apparently, he was oh, in like no. as of half an hour ago. I just checked. Uh, and he's not he's still in there. As, Get our boy out of there, yeah. man. <laughs> Someone needs to do an extraction mission on Perez. He's been, Please. He got lost on his way to the stewards. Uh, no matter what happens though it doesn't take away from the fact that he performed like an absolute hero today super good 100%. super super good absolutely on a weekend where he was being ignored like mm-hmm. you know he fin- he qualified second and everyone was talking about max losing his fuel yeah right? man like so. 
he did so good the whole time through, especially because he's had such a difficult, you know, handful of races lately where, you know, people are like, oh, is Checo really good enough? And he always starting to get kind of dangerous and stuff. Well, I was I think, seeing a lot of which I think makes sense of like Red Bull develop a car for Max. Like that, 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 like that, that's that's yeah. what I was saying. Like some people say that like, you know, Checo doesn't really get the development focused around him. Yeah, and I can, I, you know, it's probably honestly the same for a lot of teams that they develop it for their star driver, but whatever. Yeah, I just, I think Checo needed a good result like this. I think if Checo is kind of off the pace, you know, three quarters of the races, and then you know every fourth race or whatever, either puts in a win or puts in a really, really solid performance. I think that's fine. I think that's enough. But yeah, it's just one of those things where he did a terrific job. I think he completely deserved it. And if they take it away, I'm going to be very upset. I'm going to file a complaint with the mm-hmm. FIA personally. Good, good. Give our boy Checo back his yep. trophy, or I'm going to go make him another PC. Oh, and your friend. Him. It's his real trophy. Your personal friend. Fr- friend of the show. Yeah. Not that there's Sergio any bias Perez. here, mm-hmm. but yes. So next week, the Japanese Grand Prix. I'm very excited. It's my first Japanese Grand Prix. Not so excited about getting up at six in the morning, but I don't. <laughs> I get ex- I'm excited. I know I will be excited enough for the race. It's not going to be uh, of an issue. For me, so I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, no, and uh, I really hope we Suzuka's, get an answer on this cost cap thing before then too. Be, I, I, I do too. Tasty. I do too. Yeah, Suzuka's always a really fun race. Great. Um, and then we've got the U.S. Grand Prix coming up in a couple weeks too. We got some good races coming up. I love Austin. You know, for no particular reason. Austin. I'm not biased. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not biased or anything. Not that I would ever have a bias toward a city with such a beautiful name as Austin. Beautiful but name. Mm-hmm. We got we got some good stuff coming up. The do season they have- wildly. Do they paint the French flag on the track? Uh, I am. Mm. Is that what they did? They mm. do that over there? No, no, it's like uh, a red, white, thing. and blue. The the colors of freedom, my friend. Uh-huh. The colors okay. of the United States of America. Right, right, right. Okay. Don't don't forget it. Don't don't get this. Look, just, just you know, there's a reason. Re- it's red, white, and blue here as well. No, Romania's red, no, white, and blue. No, 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 no. Those, those don't count. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, we were first. I'm, I'm pretty sure. If you look, look it up. Look it up. It was U.S. first. Everyone else came second. Uh, look, uh, because Paul Ricard tried to steal the French tried to steal the U.S. colors for their track. They got booted off the uh, the the calendar oh, for next forgot. year. That's not one of the ones, is it? Yeah. Uh, so that's I'm a just shame. Saying, I love Paul Ricard. Well, they stole the American colors, and we can't have that. Instead, we're now going to have 11 United States Grand Prix in 2024, which I'm very excited about. You're saying it's stolen now. I remember you saying it was like a tribute. (laughs) No, no. uh, It was stolen, and they've been uh, reprimanded (laughs) and kicked off the calendar. Yeah, that's the the real case, man. So, you know, I'm just, that's the story, and I'm going to stick with it for now. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Backmarkers. If you want to get in touch with us in the meantime, you can send a tweet to at BackmarkersLive. That's where we are on Twitter. You can go to BackMarkers.Live for the YouTube video if you want to catch up with that. And we also do our call-down room, which is exclusive in the video version of the show. And to BackMarkers.FM for the audio version of the show as well, if you want that. Uh, Until next time, Austin Evans, say goodbye. I am ready to go to Japan. That's all. That's what I've got. I'm ready. Let's do this. 